Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening. Welcome to this very tired and huh, hopefully... Upbeat episode of the Black Tuesday podcast. As you know, the election is still being debated and votes are still being counted. But to get insight into it, we have brought on one of my favorites, V. Murphy. Good evening, V. How goes it? It goes. How about yourself? Oh, like like we have mentioned, it just it's the longest day and a half, two days ever. Now. We gotta kind of get you know right to it and talk about exit polls. And in 2016, there was this thought that the 47 or 53 percent of white women who voted for Trump over Hillary Clinton, you know, there was a there was a a belief by some that this number would decrease and slowly dissipate. It. Apparently, according to the New York Times, increased from 53 to 55%. I got so many questions about this, but the first thing I got to ask you is, were you surprised? Actually, I was a little surprised, and here's why. Um, You know, because the media (laughs) has been um, putting out this narrative that Trump has turned off um, you know, suburban women, you know, which they're, I guess they're equating to white women. And, um, you know, between COVID and everything else, I mean, I was, I, 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 I don't know that I was thinking that, you know, white women would imba- abandon him totally because if you look at like video clips or, uh, even, you know, some social media posts, you can see that there are, you know, a significant number of white women who still support him. So, like, I knew he wasn't going to get, like, zero. But I I was a little surprised to see that it increased. Um, one thing I heard, and I don't, you know, I don't know how true this is. This is one of the commentators uh, speaking. What I heard was that 
Um, that 55% came from in-person voting and did not take into account, um, like, mail-in or absentee ballots. Um, so, you know, I think perhaps, you know, it remains to be seen if that number holds. But if it does, I, I, I'm just... I, I'm through. I'm, I'm I'm done. I you know I just can't anymore. I had saw something similar which you had just mentioned about how it's some of it is same day voting, but I was a little surprised. I was I was like, nah, this 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 can't be. I'm like, they've seen this man pretty much try to trample over their rights as far as body autonomy, reproductive rights. This is the time to stand up. But then I just look back, you know, in my head, and I thought, hmm, it kind of makes a little sense. Just the tone of just the rampant centering. Now, we know that centering is a giant problem, but it was just more of like you did see a lot of people who would probably talk a huge game, but then would be okay with black people losing rights or losing rights that they didn't have or losing I should say losing a fight that they didn't have to fight and it just it's a whole lot of spectatorship and pretty much upholding the patriarchy and it was funny because there was like a moral bloodletting via social media and you know the first thing you you know first thing you see when somebody gets called out is well not me and I'm so disgusted they need to check their own people. Like when hoteps get online, and we definitely got to talk about one coming up here, but when they get out of line, we make sure that they know that they need to go in the corner and, you know, shea butter it up and calm it down, basically. Now, when we look at the races, what so far as the ballots are still being counted, what was the biggest surprise you've had so far? Uh, I have to say the developments overnight. Um, and uh, I, I want to preface what I'm going to say with this, that previously I had resolved myself to the idea that it was going to be closed, that, you know, we weren't going to know until, you know, late in the week who won the um, election. But then I got swept up, um, you know, in again, in the media narrative, um, about blowouts and, um, you know, all the, the talking heads were talking about how horrible Trump was and Project Lincoln folks were out there talking about how horrible Trump was and you had all these um, Republicans coming out and endorsing him. And I, you know, I, um, I, I, I bought the hype a little bit. Um, so I was despondent by the, you know, by like 10 o'clock last night, I was just like, he's going to win again and he's going to kill us all. And I really had a moment. And so to wake up and see that he was um, closing, you know, closing gaps when they started counting the, the mail-in ballot, I would say that's probably the, the biggest surprise. One of the things I found shocking was... Just like you said, like going to sleep. But one one thing I 
definitely want to like was stunned at <sighs> honestly was Ohio. I thought that Ohio would kind of kind of break right. They've they've had a lot of loss of industrial or uh, manufacturing jobs, and you would think that they would be at the end with him, but that bright red, those red rural areas will just show up and just vote Republican just because, and they are the prime examples of voting against their best interests, which for me, I have absolutely zero use for these people. And when I look at it, that was a surprise. Arizona was a surprise. Cindy McCain apparently, you know, holds a, holds a grudge like a microphone, and she made sure that she got her voice out and explained it. It was so far, as opposed to, like I said, to being tabulated. It, it is interesting to see Arizona now with two Democratic senators and possibly going blue for the first time in the longest. Were you shocked that Texas was that competitive for that long? I wasn't. I, you know, I had been paying attention to some folks um, on Twitter. Um, who are predicting this, and, and I understand that Beto um, has really been rolling up his sleeves in the state. Um, and I, I actually, again, I was sort of swept up in in the uh, excitement and, and, and heightened expectations in spite of myself, and I, I really thought it was going to go blue, so I was really bummed that this is not the election cycle. But I... I think that it's, it's definitely possible. I mean, I, I, you know, it just seems to me that there, you know, perhaps there have been some demographic shifts over the years, um, you know, maybe in an election cycle or two we'll finally get there. I mean, I, I live in Virginia, um, you know, which is, I like to say it's baby blue, but it's definitely a lot bluer. When I first came to Virginia, in the military, I was stationed in Southern Virginia, and it was pretty bright red back then. So um, there's hope out there. Um, so no, I mean to answer your question, I, I wasn't, I was not surprised about how competitive Texas was. And, and um, remember, Beto actually came fairly close um, to unseating Ted Cruz. Um, so it, it seems like they've they've really worked hard to try to build on that momentum, and they they still have a little work to do. But I I think we're inching ever closer. It feels that way. I think that Abedo is going to have some sort of role where I wonder if he'll make another run at Ted Cruz. I mean that would make sense, or or maybe a governor run at some point. I don't, I'm not intimately familiar with the ground to see, you know, what would be the best for him. I guess perhaps maybe a Senate run would be a, an easier, somewhat of an easier lift. Cause that's someone during this election cycle, even though he exited the race early, he has made an impact. And I never thought I'd say this, but to this point, our old friend Mayor Pete. It used to be, it used to be uh, Mayor Pete, we, but we got to throw that R for the for the respect we need to put on that man's name because he was one of the best surrogates I've seen in a very long time. 
of the people in the cycle, not exactly the candidates, who stepped up, do you think, and kind of improved their visibility or their reputation during this process? Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Pete as well. Um, he has definitely earned his R back in mayor. Uh, the way he slices and dices on Fox, that is like art. Um, but I also want to throw a shout out to, uh, Amy Klobuchar. I, I think she's been a, a pretty good, um, surrogate. Um, you know, I've, I've seen her on some of the, um, some of the, the evening news shows and, um, I, I, I said this on Twitter because I got mad at her during the primary, but, um, you know, I said, okay, Amy, I'm your friend again because, um, you know, I think she's been put in, in that work as well. It's stunning to see so many Democratic or former Democratic candidates actually circle, like, kind of circle those calendars and make sure that they show up for certain dates and kind of get things done. It is kind of inspiring to watch, like, Bitter, not so much bitter rivals, but rivals put it, put whatever animosity aside via the the initial debates and kind of fight for it. And they rallied for Biden. They really did. And it, it it is a tremendous thing. Now, when we come back from break, we 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 need to kind of you know, get into a unpleasant part, trying to deal with two our demographics that continue to be completely uh, disappointing. You are listening to the Black Tuesday podcast on the FBC radio network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are back with the Black Tuesday podcast, Terrence Biggs v. Murphy. Let's talk about South Florida, specifically Miami, or Miami-Dade County, I should say. Make it make sense. Um, the Apparently, according to people, and this is you know what we've read, the rather significant Cuban population decided to vote for the president and I just I fail to see why can you shed some opinion on this um well from what I'm gathering um, it was the fact that Bernie Sanders and AOC are affiliated with our party um, I understand that Cuban-Americans in South Florida were particularly receptive to Trump's labeling Biden, either labeling him an outright socialist or his other talking point that he wouldn't really run the show. It would be Kamala and Crazy Bernie and AOC who would uh, run the show. 
Um, so, yeah, that's 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 my understanding of the reason why, which I have my own thoughts about. <laughs> in order to kind of you know get the grasp of I talked to a few people in the Latino community, a couple in Florida, and a couple who may not be in Florida, but they know of the dynamic, and they, they said that there is, in their opinion, a proximity to whiteness where there are people in, there is a colorist aspect, and it is strong. It's like a reverse colorism where if you have any colonizer in your heritage that you, you consider yourself to be white, and there's that kind of you know, being carried themselves differently, and from what I've read, it, it is it is prevalent, and to me that's weird because you have this man who has a close tie with the Russians. The Russians had a close tie with the Castro government, so you're kind of kind of supporting to a man who has ties to the country that helped back your former dictator. So they're pretty much voting for a dictator. No, they escaped a dictator to vote for one. And I just, I don't, to me it's weird. To me it is very strange how, I mean, we've seen people vote against self-interest, but it just, it just, it's, it's strange to me. Speaking of strange, there's a rapper, no, sorry, he's a comedian named Lil Duvall guy from Jacksonville. He huh? tweeted out that the reason why less black dudes in Florida voted was because no one spoke to them. Now, we have sat in this space before and talked about the the weirdness of you know, like the black demographic, or sorry, black male demographic who want who want to be pandered and catered to as far as voting in this process. He literally thought he was saying something, and you read the comments, you're like, why are so many people stupid? Like, why Why is it this? I wish I could tell you. Um, I, I did see that tweet, um, <laughs> and I dragged him for a little bit um, because, it's, to me, it's, 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 it's a ridiculous premise. So you're upset because, Somebody didn't come and speak to you directly. And, I mean, I don't know what more he would have wanted to hear. Um, you know, Biden and Kamala both have been very, um, you know, open about, like, Black Lives Matter and criminal justice reform, which is not to say in any way that those are you know, the only issues that affect black people. But um, my sense is that when black dudes say stuff like that, they didn't talk to me, I think that's where their minds are, you know, police reform and things like that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm taking a bit of a guess here. Um, and so to the extent that I'm right, well, they've been very vocal about addressing those issues. So I don't know what else they are looking for unless they're looking for checks 
a la Trump's platinum plan, but that plan doesn't actually provide checks. And um, so, and if, if that's your, if that is your um, your standard by which you judge people talking to you, then you're going to come up short. No one is offering checks. So I don't I don't know what these dudes are talking about. I think in the end it's just intellectual laziness, and I'm over it. I think it is definitely that, and some of it is honestly as weird as it sounds because we're all adults, but some of it is kind of envy and jealousy. Like you see people laud and praise black women for voting 90-plus percent of the time Democratic. The heaping of praise, and you know, we know, we know jealous black dudes who are like, kind of like sideways looking out the corner of the eye like, why can't anybody pay attention to me? You know, but they, you know, it's that want of that same praise, and that's strange. Like, they want to be lauded for doing the same, for for doing something, but they're not really wanting to do it. And it seems to me, I could be wrong, but more black dudes will pull the I'm proud that I didn't vote card more than black women. Black women will say, yeah, I voted. And they, they make sure that they get to the polls where black dudes will sit there and make it as like a, a prestige point. And I'm sorry, it is ignorant as all hell to sit there and read, well, you know, how both parties this and that, and all somebody has to do is pick up a book. Just pick up a book and just see that the parties are different. Or just go Google is free. And for me, it's endemic of the issues with black dudes. And it's weird. I thought it would be just like the rich black dudes. No, it's it's black dudes at all different type of economic levels who will sit there and act this way and just be cool with it. And it's funny. I saw a uh, photo on Somebody had a screen grab of TikTok. And there was this woman, white woman, in a making America great hat, and a black dude on the phone, like cheesing and smiling. I really can't. I really couldn't see a uh, black woman sitting there while her boyfriend or husband had the uh, making America great hat on. It's it's a weird like black dudes are weird. Like there's a there's something that's not right there. It's off. Am I wrong? Um, no, I, I, I won't. I won't say you're wrong. I mean, I, I will say you know you, you do have someone like a Candace Owens. I mean, I believe she would do that. I believe she, her, her husband is white. Not that that matters, but I think she would be one who would be cheesing. But then you know she would have. They'd have his and hers MAGA hats on. But you're, but you're you're right. I mean, there 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 is something a little different with some of these black dudes, and I I haven't been able to quite put my finger on it. It's just like it's like that picture of um, Cameron, um, the the Kentucky Attorney General, and his fiance, or I, I guess now they're married. Um, they mm-hmm. actually got married. Um, where he's just skinning and grinning, and it's like it's just him. Um, none of his family is there that 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 you can identify from the photos. I mean, maybe there's some other pictures out there that show his family, but there's there's at least one group shot uh, along with the 
the photo of just he and his fiance slash wife, and it's just him and the rest are, you know, I, I can only assume are her family. So I couldn't imagine being at my engagement party and my family not be there. Um, you know, absent some kind of huge rift. And I, I can't imagine being in an interracial relationship and me just being the only black face at an event like that. Um, you know, and I, I again, it, it's hard for me to articulate or put a finger on what it is, but it's like, some of these some of these dudes are like divorced from their blackness and I I, I just don't understand it. And I wanna say this this is not, you know, anything to do with anyone's choice of partner. It's a particular attitude that some of these dudes have. Um, you know and I wonder if for those dudes in particular their choice of partner is not a greater expression of their being divorced from their blackness. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard for me to really put a finger on what, what's going on with these dudes. It feels like it's a case of conditional blackness or situational blackness where, just like you said, there are, Cameron is one of those guys, he'll sit there and have that weird smile and the goofy hairline and just the dorky, just it. And yet, some of those dudes will sit there and be the first to slur a black woman, like slur mercilessly for no reason. And what, but they're also the the people who would, you, you don't know these guys, who will sit there and be joking with their buddies or, you know, and call their significant other out of their name and they'd be okay with it. Where I'm on the mind of that happens, you got to start throwing a hand somewhere. And it, I want to say, I wanted to say it's a generational thing, but there's a lot of dudes of various ages acting like this from every, like, it's just, it's peculiar. Like it, it's fascinating. If it weren't so disturbing, it would be fascinating. Now, if we spin back to the election and we spin pretty much to how it is being covered, do you think that some of these networks are stringing some of these results along because they want to keep eyes? Absolutely. Um so last night I uh, I got on like a, a, um, a video chat with some friends and um, like we had this back and forth about Virginia because um, like on Twitter they had called Virginia early and I think Fox News even called it early but like MSNBC and CNN both had hadn't called it and so they were like you know freaking out that Virginia looked red and I kept trying to tell them like. It's been called. It's been called. They're stringing this along, you know. And um, listen, I, I, I'm gathering. This is a, this is a guess, an educa- somewhat of an educated guess. I'm gathering that there are different methodologies. You know, this may be 
um, you know, when you're making projections, it, it may be the type of situation where reasonable minds can disagree on what the numbers are saying at any given point. So I'm willing to, you know, uh, accept that there's a reasonable amount of lag time from one outlet to the next in terms of calling, you know, because I'm sure they have their own things that they're looking for. Um, but when you have a situation where Fox News calls something and it's against Trump, um, you know, there's a concept in the law generally um, with, like, hearsay and, 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 um, and, and those rules. And generally, you know, out-of-court statements aren't admissible. Um, but if you have a, what they call a statement against interest, so somebody is out here, you know, at a bar bragging that they, you know, they break into cars and steal car, you know, radios or whatever. That type of statement can be used against somebody, and it can be introduced as evidence because it's a statement against interest. The policy behind that is the statement has to be true because what reasonable person in their right mind would admit to being a thief? And so – when you see Fox News making calls that are against Trump's interests, I think you can apply that principle that why would they do that, um, you know, when they're all in for Trump? <laughs> you know, it, it has got to kill them to be able to make that call. There's no upside to Fox calling states for Biden that aren't for him. So, yes, <laughs> to answer your question, yes, I think that these um, outlets, do like to string results along. Um, one caveat to that, um, apparently there may be some uh, reasonable basis for um, for them not calling Arizona. Um, you know, I guess there's, there's, a, there's a theory that some of the um, uh, mail-in ballots that they're just starting to count may um, – uh, have a have significant Trump support among them um, may not be enough to get Trump the state, but there some people are expecting a level of tightening um, once they've counted the provisional mail-in ballots and things like this. So, um, you know, and that makes sense, you know, for some of these other outlets to be, you know, a little more cautious about calling, but even, you know, somewhat blue states. It seemed like they they um, they took their time in calling. And, you know, like last night, the whole night was basically Florida. And um, you know, each of the each of MSNBC and CNN, I'm sure they, they you know, they, they've got those whiteboards. So, you know, those are expensive toys. They want to showcase those. And, you know, they want to do the touchscreen thing and they want to do all these different scenarios. And, well, this county here has X many, X number of votes outstanding. And if these number come in for Biden, look at here, I pressed it and now it's blue. Oh, wait, now it's pink. Oh, wait, now it's red. So, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a, there's a, you know, they, they want to show that stuff off, right? That's part of the drama. And, you know, they got a lot of TV to fill. Um, so, you know, I think they have to stretch it out to some degree because otherwise what would they fill the rest of the time with? 
among all the uh, down ballot decisions, apparently, as as we as we are recording this, Lauren Underwood is on the on the verge or in danger of losing her seat. Now, I don't know why it's kind of it it struck home and it hit personally because. She was the only member of anywhere being affiliated with the squad who actually did her job. Like, she put her head down and she worked. Like, she just worked. And it was all her, like, with the uh, maternal health caucus. All the, like, the black maternal health caucus. That was, that was something that she founded to try to bring attention to the fact that black mothers tend to die four times as four times as often as white mothers during childbirth, and it's something that she tried to push through, and it just—that's a story to me is not getting enough notice because of, like I said, the squad. And not, speaking of the squad, we got to talk about Bernie Sanders now. Now you had hit on it earlier about fact that people in South Florida kind of see him as a socialist and super left kind of wing nut but why does it seem like even though this election process is not really about him or AOC they're all in the mentions all on TV talking well I think it it's an extension of what we just talked about with the networks drawing out their calls on election night. Um, you know, it's drama, it's excitement, it fits a particular narrative. Um, you know, Bernie is like this sort of a lightning rod. You know, he, in 2016, he sort of, appeared to come out of nowhere and he had his little army of bros and he was changing the party. And it just seems like ever since 2016, they have, you know, stuck with that narrative when it comes to him. And then here comes AOC and she's, you know, I guess one of his mentors or mentees. And, you know, she, um, she's like baby Bernie and, um, you know, but she's pretty and she's Latina, so she's exotic. Um, you know, she, she goes, she's cool, she's hip, she's shiny. Um, so you have sort of that connection, that image of sort of Bernie bringing this person along, and then she has made a a, a wave. On, in her own right, in some of the things that she's said and done. Um, and so then you go back to someone like Lauren Underwood, who um, is doing, like you said, she's doing the work, um, but, you know, she's not shiny. Um, she's not particularly controversial. She's not, um, she's not out there. She's not, the, she's not being a squeaky wheel. And, you know, AOC and, and Bernie, and to some degree that the rest of the squad members, or as I like to call them, the frauds, um, they are squeaky wheels. So they're going to get the grease. 
to me, it's interesting to watch them, and I find I can't name a piece of memorable legislation any of them have pushed through. Not one single attempt or even co-signer on a bill. I can't think of one except for Laura Underwood. That's the only like I can think of her. It's it speaks to the microwave attention spans of people. Like, what point did we get so, we as in general, we get so just stunned as far as the able the ability to hold attention for any long amount of time? I would say maybe around the time that like the internet really became a, a, a widely available tool, um, followed closely by the um, the advent of um, like instant message chat rooms, um, you know, and then social media. Um, against the backdrop of the 24-hour news cycle. Um, and just the, like the graphic, like I, as we're talking, um, I have, uh, I happen to have MSNBC on in the background just to see if there's any, you know, uh, breaking, um, election news. And I'm looking at the image in front of me. And so there's, you know, there's often split screens and then there's the, um, uh, the, the scrolling text at the bottom, and then there's this graphic. Like right now, in the bottom right, there's a um, electoral college count, and you know, then there's all the the scrolling results that are that they keep. You know, there's just a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, you know, a, a lot of visual cues, and um, so I, you know, I, I think I think all of those things have have kind of brought us to where we are. And you know, even myself, um, you know, I spend a lot of time throughout the day on Twitter, um, and like I'm working, I'm at work, but like you know, I I I I'm, I'm doing my work, I'm checking Twitter, I might tweet something, I'm going back to work, and then you know, I might have um, uh, one of the news stations on, so then something comes on, you know, like I'm paying attention to no less than two or three things at a time. Um, and I can say on a personal level it's worked out to my detriment. Um, but I think it's just we just have we have access to too many too many uh, sources of information at once, too many um, distractions, too many screens. Um, you know, everything is bite sized, everything is is you know, sort of in these digested pieces already. And, you know, there's not a lot of meat often in the information that we do get for us to, like, really examine things and analyze things and think critically about things. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I would say maybe sometime around the early to mid-2000s is probably when it started going downhill for most of us. Now, it's <laughs> some of the dealing with the stress of the election have to deal with some of it, uh, 
self-care. Now, during this stressful time, how have you tried to institute some self-care and kind of navigate through this mess? Um, I mean, just trying to um, – I, I, I've actually started uh, reading again, which sounds kind of weird <laughs> to say, um, but I, you know, I've gotten, I, I, I've, I've always been a voracious reader, um, at least in like my, my, my earlier years. And since my job, I do a lot of reading on my job and it's a lot, sometimes it can be kind of dense. Um, it's like by the time I, I get off work, I just don't really feel like using my brain that much. Um, but I've, made an effort to try, reawaken that part of my brain um, that used to love to read so much. Um, so I, I, I got a new, um, I just got a little, you know, Kindle Fire thing from Amazon. Um, with with COVID, I can't, like, get to the library. That's usually where I would go um, when I was, you know, reading more, more often um, for, for pleasure. I'd just go to the library and, you know, Get books, but um, so I got my little, um, you know, my little e-reader, and um, I actually had picked up uh, Hillary's book, What Happened. Um, I had started it years ago, and then it got around to the point where the election was happening, and I, I couldn't finish it. But I had recently started um, reading that again, and um, I thought I was going to have to put it down again after last night, but I, 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 I'm cautiously optimistic and I really would like to finish that book. I really would like to, to know what happened in 2016. So that's, that's my, um, my recent thing is just getting back into reading. Another thing is, um, I recently got a bike, like a, like a, you know, regular bicycle. Um, so I've been reacquainting myself with, uh, riding a bike since I hadn't been on one in, you know, like, a long time. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, the adage is true. You don't forget how to ride a bike. Um, but you think about it a lot more when you're in your 40s and you're riding a bike. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm getting used to that again. And um, so trying to get, you know, spend some time outside on the bike if I can, um, reading a little bit more, um, and um, you know, doing some some uh, workouts on my lunch, on my lunch break, so that I can continue to eat. Um, <laughs> those are those are my my main ways of um, dealing with this the stress that that we all are dealing with. It's funny, like during the like I said during COVID, I decided to kind of work out more, and I realized something. Like in your forties. Working out is hard. Like it's it's hard the next day. Like getting up and putting the two feet down on the ground. You're like oh, and when you stand up for the first time, you're like oh, okay, that's a that's a that's a pain. Okay, that's new. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, that, I didn't feel that before, and it's weird because it's there's always a. See, there's always a mission to try to find the perfect workout or the perfect app or whatever. And I'm like, because I work at night, I'm like, it straight up helps me go to sleep because it's, I'm an overthinker. 
And mm-hmm. if I'm not tired, I'll just lay there and think about 15 million things that I shouldn't be thinking about at that time. But, damn it, I'm going to sit there and think about them right then. And it helps, like, wind the mind down. And it, is, it works for me. It is. Plus, it's just nice to, you know, like I said, eating is good. And I have a thing for sweets and, well, pancakes. Is, if it follows me, I like food. And <laughs> it's one of those things that helps me kind of get that focus. Now, if somebody wanted to follow you on social media, how would they be able to contact you? Uh, well, they they can follow me at VC Murphy seventy six. That's V double E C double E Murphy seventy six. Now you can follow me at T Biggs. It's capital T, capital B, lowercase everything else. By the time, hopefully, this is heard or published, that we we have some kind of clue on who the next president will be. Which, let's just say, I'm hoping that the next vice president will have a spouse named Doug. <laughs> yes, the, from your lips. Yes, please. As Thank you so much for joining us. It's been another episode of the Black Tuesday podcast. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. For those who voted, hopefully all those votes will be counted. Take care and good night.